Hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, because I know I am, because today is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. So today is our last part series of the Church Problems, part three, and why not a better time and a better subject to, to uh, talk about solutions with Mr. Jared Harper, who's been on this three-part uh, series of Church Problems. How are you doing, Jared? Bless beyond measure. How's your day? It's uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful hanging out with you and seeing uh, people at church and hanging out with them and seeing people from church. My my teachers, I would say, like I said, I, I feel underqualified to talk about these topics, but I feel honored that you're you're asking me to mm-hmm. because, you know, I know much greater men, much greater men that could answer these questions and and much wiser men. But uh, I just try to give my best answers for this. Would you mind us? Would you mind opening up this prayer? Absolutely. Thank you for the honor. Uh, Heavenly Fathers, we come before your throne, Lord. I just, I just pray that you use this podcast, Lord, to use this to to glorify you, not us, but you, Lord. You make us your ambassadors. You make us the light on the hill. It's because of you and what you've done in in us and for us that make us have any value, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, Lord. And I just pray that you bless this podcast and you bless anyone who's listening to it, Lord, and you show your face to them. In your heavenly name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, do you want to summarize the past for new listeners that are listening and just kind of recap? Do you want to recap the past two uh parts that we did you kind of want to recap. yeah yeah i mean we there's a lot we touched on um so it's hard to go through every little aspect of it but um the i mean top three is a little little shy but i would say we we talked about the the division that happens within the uh, the aspect of what should be a community a um you know the gospel and the the church which is referred to as everyone who is a christian uh, the universal ideology of Elvey Church, uh, where everyone who is a Christian is a part of that body of Christ and how there's division within that. And the denominations cause so much division because of in-house debates um, that are should be in-house, but should be intolerance. As long as we have the core values of what it means to be a Christian and, and be saved, that's the important part. So I think uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, I hope I'm quote, quoting it right, that said, one day we'll all die, we'll go to heaven, we'll see how wrong our theology is. And I, uh, I agree with him on that, that um, there's only so much knowledge that we no- need to know and, and, and love, love. We have to have love with it, right? If we have all this knowledge and no love, it means nothing. Yeah. Um, so, and we have to recognize that we, we are only human. We can't rely on our own, own human knowledge. That's what the Bible reminds us. So there's that, uh, that aspect, but then we have the failure of, uh, the failure of the nuclear family, which has destroyed the, the, the ide- ideology of what a man is and what a woman is and, and what their roles are and what their places are. We were at the, uh, we were at a gentleman's club and I hate to call it a gentleman's club because it's a strip club and those gentlemen aren't gentlemen that are going to that, into those places. But we were there talking to people and there was a woman that came up to me to thank me for what we were doing and recognize the, the wickedness of, of what those places do to the mentality of men and taking advantage of the will of the men. So we have a very weak masculinity in our culture that's been completely and totally destroyed. Um, that's a big part of it, and the nuclear family is destroyed. Plus, uh, on top of that, we have the individual churches um, and the individual churches and the issues that they have where they just preach part of the gospel. They either, majority of them are just preaching the love part of the gospel without the moral of the law and the obedience of God and the obedience of his word. Um, so well, a lot of people will just put throw a couple verses out there and that'll satisfy or tickle the ears of their people, and they're more satisfied, more worried about the 
the amount of people that come to church rather than the quality of people that are there. In those churches, when I go there, it's really hard to find people that are willing to serve. Yeah. And God, God's biggest way that he, he showed us was through service. So I think yeah. that's a good recap. So anyway, we talked about a lot of problems and the underlying issues of churches in this same age and not just certain denominations, I would say all denominations. What is, how do you solve the salvation message? Let's start there because that's one of the big ones that, how would you solve the salvation message or what advice would you give to individuals? I do attend church that like mm -hmm. wouldn't mind having to sit down, um, talk with their pastor. What would you suggest them? Yeah, so I think I'll honestly, and this this actually, I recently saw a video, and I have to quote this man. He's a man of great wisdom, I, I think. So uh, Ray Comfort, I, I was listening to a, a video of his, and he said that he encouraged us to, whatever happens, we go and we talk to our pastor, right? If we think that they're just preaching half of the gospel, we need to hold them to the fire. We need to hold their feet to the fire, have a personal one-on-one -on -one meeting with them first. And if they do not change from their ways, then we'll, then we'll address them in public if we need to. But um, the thing is, is whether you're a, you have to remember that a pastor is trying to, trying to make his message around his people and what they need, but he can't, he should not be compromising gospel. He should not be compromising the full, the entirety of the gospel. And uh, that, that really comes down to, do you trust your pastor? And if you don't, you really need to get to know them. So you do feel whether you can figure out whether you do or don't and find a church that you do, yeah. because that it, it's all an individual thing. We always want to sit here and we want to blame everyone else, but we forget to look at ourselves first. Um, so we need to look at ourselves in, in, the, in that specific thing. And we need to start addressing our pastors. Our pastors are no better than us. And, and they're no worse than us though, right? We're all falls, fallen, fallen sinners short of the glory yeah. of God. And so I would encourage everyone and anyone to go and seek this. If they think, if you think your pastor is not uh, preaching the entirety of the gospel, approach them, approach them with love, approach them with kindness, approach them in private first. Um, well, maybe not in private if, if it's different sexes, you know, have somebody with you to, to listen if you have to. But um, I would say approach that in a very loving way and ask questions and see why they're not preaching and preaching the entirety of the gospel rather than preaching those things. And, yeah. and if they're, if they are isogetically uh, pulling things out of the Bible and putting, putting context of today's context in the Bible, then they need to correct that as well. The issue, one of the biggest issues we have is a lot of pastors are very lazy because it's very, very hard work. I'm very blessed to have a pastor that knows his history. He knows his church history. He studied it for years and years and he has a passion to know it. So yeah. when he does a sermon, he does a massive amount of history along with what, what is going on as we go through verse by verse in the Bible. And I'm very blessed blessed to have that type of pastor um <clears throat> because i think holding your pastors accountable is we're commanded to do it in the bible aren't we mm -hmm. uh where i think god says keep what do you know which part of the bible that instructs us to hold our teachers accountable do you know which part of the bible that is i think i don't know if you're getting confused with i know james reminds us that the pastors will be held to a higher accountability we are not the ultimate judge that doesn't mean we shouldn't judge understand that it says that um that we should not try to take the twig out of someone else's eye before taking the log out of our own. We have to correct our own issues if, if before we address it. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean not to judge. Ju Paul had to judge frequently. If you read any of his letters, Jesus had to make those judgment calls as well. But, you know, he was God. He's righteous. And so we have to make judgment calls that, to decide not to go play in the street or something like that. So those are judgments. Uh, and there's a difference between righteous judgments and unrighteous judgments. So then would you say that we also have to keep our church members as well? Since if we're part of a church, and our brothers and sisters in Christ in in the same church, if they're faltering, 
would you say it's acceptable for us to like hold them accountable and judge them for their actions or is that like more uh in the past issue so there's there's two sides of the ditches on this there's always there's always a balance with every concept of uh that we have in theology or that we have of these ideologies that the bible tells us uh, the bible teaches us that yes if we see a brother sinning we need to call them out on it it's the process of church discipline and honestly with the as many churches as i've been to i've only been to two churches that have actually used church discipline in the proper way and i was very blessed to be a part of those because they did it out of love. They didn't like rebuke the person or anything, but they literally would approach the person over and over again about the same issues, right? If you see somebody sinning, you go to them, you tell them they're sinning, you call them out on it. If they turn from the ways, it says you've won a brother. Um, but if they don't, well, then you have to take it to the next level. Now, that doesn't mean right away. I mean, you can continue to try to encourage them to step away from sin and help them out. And then it says, Jake, break, take it before the elders. And this is where the elders are failing to actually open up and step into those roles that they need to be. They need to be involved in because they're too afraid to scare people away or too afraid to care, scare numbers away. Um, and it does tell us that we need to then bring the issue if this person is not turning turning away from their sin after several times of, of uh, rebuking them or going to them and uh, personally trying to help them correct their issues, that going to older, wiser men, these older, wiser men that, that uh, are described in Timothy, that is a long list of qualifications that someone needs to have to be an elder. And it's someone that is very wise, has raised a family successfully and all these things. There's very... It's, it's, it's a man that you anybody should be able to trust to, to listen to that wisdom. Now, they're still, they're still sinful men. They're not perfect as well. So we need to come to several couple of, uh, a couple yeah. of elders and bring it before them. And if that doesn't do anything after a couple of times, then you even bring it before the church. Yeah. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part where people think that you're just throwing rocks at this person or something. But these are the commandments that we have in this, in this verse and those verses that it reminds us of. So. Yeah. And so what else? So what else would you solve inside, like, do you have the pastor? So we found a solution for the pastor. It's accountability. Mm -hmm. And having, we also found congregation members. Yeah. So there's accountability that's needed on both sides, but we can't just focus on that, right? I mean, that is a huge part of it. That is a big part of, of how God calls us to have a community and to to be involved in one another. And and so it says to love each other um, more than we love ourselves or as we love our own body, right? So uh, in those perspectives, we need to love our neighbors. And, and sometimes loving your neighbor is calling them out and what they're doing in a loving way. And that's that's hard to do. That's hard to balance that because it can cause a lot of frustration and anger and, and a lot of uh, dismay that people are too afraid because today we're uh, most people are afraid of conflict. Most people are afraid to address these things with other people. They think it's unkind or they think it's uh, judgmental or they think it's all this stuff. And, and as long as your heart is in the right place and you're doing it for the right reasons and you're, and you're, you're being soft as you approach these things, sometimes you need to be hard. I'll be honest. I've, I rebuke people fairly harshly sometimes when I recognize the soft rebuke was not working and it, they actually did turn from their way. So I think that I think we have to trust God when he tells us that we have to have that. But again, it's the spirit that's going to lead us in how we address each individual person. Yeah. For what, what works with one person doesn't mean it's going to work with the same with the another. Yeah. So for that, that's as far as that goes. But then we also have to get into the perspective of we have to start supporting biblical masculinity. Yeah. We have to start regrowing that and build that again. And my pastor has a great sermon on that in Rumble. His name's Jason Storms, and he just did it today at Mercy Seat Church. And so if if you want to listen to a great sermon on um, on biblical masculinity and men standing up and actually starting to be men, actual men, not just boys, but men, 
uh, I would I would recommend that sermon for anyone and everyone. See, I want to touch on that subject because you mentioned mask uh, masculinity. Yeah, masculinity. Mm-hmm. What is? <clears throat> I mean, to me, what is like? To me, I think it's becoming a, a crisis epidemic in mm-hmm. this day and age. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's becoming more of a, a situation that we need to bring awareness <coughs> um, because we're like now getting uh, this new movement thinking, okay, it's okay for um, the fathers to be out of the household and it's okay for the mothers to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And now, not only that, but like, it's okay for two mothers to raise a child or two fathers to raise a child as well and vice versa. So <clears throat> how does that impact like how does that impact the church though because if they bring their kids to sunday school if they bring their kids to church for instance there's i'm not going against the lgbtq community um but they're pushing this to the they're pushing this against it's okay to be more feminine Mm -hmm. what is the problem with being more compassionate because that's where the big argument is is that it's okay you have to show some compassion you have to show some kind of feminism Mm -hmm. but at the same time this society and the churches are going they're pushing to go overboard. Am I correct on that or am I wrong? I mean, I, w- I would say you're correct on that. I mean, is, but we also have to dig deeper into that to understand that we have to stop being soft. Um, what do you mean by soft? Like, do we have to have a harsher tone when we speak to people? Do we have to have, what do you mean by soft? So, I mean, we have to have discretion with each individual's situation and the discretion has to come from the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And it has to lead us in those, in those certain situations. And so when it let's, let's break down that specific thing you brought up though, as far as that. So we have this, it, we it kind of developed in this way where people started realizing like men would realize, okay, I have more feminine tendencies, right? They were a little bit more like women in these ways. And so what the culture and what people have twisted it into is, oh, Hey, you must be a woman then which is a complete and total lie. I don't think it's bad for a man to be, have a little bit softer demeanor necessarily. I don't, I don't think it's an absolutely atrocious thing. Right. And I've, I've met women that, you know, they've, they, they, they have told me that they are lesbian because when they were kids, they liked working on cars and like doing more masculine stuff. That doesn't mean that they're into women. It just means that's what they like to do. That's the gift that God has given them, right? In those specific, um, specific things. But people have twisted that to, oh, hey, I'm more like a man, which means I must, I must like women, which is a twist, a very twisted mentality um, that has been, you know, supported and supported and supported. We need to call it out for what it is necessarily, right? Your gender is your gender. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're male or you're female, right? And we can deal with all the intricacies with that. And people always want to debate between the two things of whether... Um, <clears throat> whether someone was born gay or whether they were developed environmentally and became gay. Right. I think that that argument is null and void because regardless, it's still sin before God. And see, if we, if I'm one mind stopping either, Mm -hmm. that is a big epidemic going on to our church. That is a a virus that is creeping in because how do we, how do we stop that from damaging? For instance, if you guys attend a church, how do you stop that? If you see that in your own congregation, is, is that where accountability goes through or how do you yeah it goes back to the church discipline like if you yeah. see it as an individual you see someone else that's like that and you're close to that person you go and you, you talk to them about it you help them understand the truth of the gospel and what the bible says now today and age like everyone hates the verses and talks about homosexuality being being an, being an abomination but we forget yeah. in the same verses it also it also says that um you know adultery fornication anything outside of wedlock lying cheating stealing are all sin yeah 
grouped in with this, right? It yeah. does refer to, I will say that it does refer, the, this is biblical text, it does refer to homosexuality as an abomination, as a worse thing than all these other things, but we're still saying sin is sin, right? Yeah. So we have to remember we're not just spicking out to also so that the the man that's sitting there and, and looking at pornography and the man that uh, that is going and sleeping with another woman as he's married is still committing sin is no worse than than necessarily the homosexual act right yep. so no sin mm -hmm. is greater than in god's eyes a yeah, tiny so, sin for instance mm -hmm. is for instance if i were to take a cup of water mm -hmm. you know and I, I get dr martin or i get dr pepper you know that is that is as worse of a sin as murdering a person it is or is not? It is. Okay. Because no sin, all sin is like, it doesn't matter how small of a sin you have. It, it, it's, it, it's all in God's eyes. That's all in the same of God's eyes. Yeah. I do believe that, but here's where I kind of disagree with you. And here's where mm -hmm. the church has kind of disagree as well. I believe if you take another precious life mm -hmm. and that is by, and if you, um, if you discredit or if you, uh, blasphemy God and take another person's life, especially mm -hmm. a child of his. Mm -hmm. I believe that is worse than homosexuality. Yeah, I mean... You're, the reason why is because, for instance, blasphemy God, you're denying mm -hmm. God's deity, mm -hmm. you're denying God's presence, and you're mm -hmm. denying God of what he's done in your life. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, with, a, a, with taking another person's life, that individual wants... <coughs> That individual walked the path that God has set for them. And what mm -hmm. you did is that you disturbed the plan. And so therefore you automatically committed committed one of the other heinous mm -hmm. crime, or heinous sins. I also believe that homosexuality and this whole push that the church is stating is that, you know, this uh, feminism stuff, I believe that's not mm -hmm. up there, but it also goes in with a, in line. What do you think about that? Well, no, I actually agree with you. I don't think we disagree on that. I, I th what I'm saying is that in those verses that says homosexuality is an abomination above all these other other sins. Sin is still sin. People are still committing these sins. But even even God tells us there's the seven things that He hates, and one of them is the shedding of innocent blood. Right. Yep. Um, and so there are different levels of things that He hates more, and He hates I would necessarily less. But that doesn't mean He does not like it. And and I want to clarify, he, he, you know, people will hear this all the time, and it's a, it's a big in-house, I would say, debate. It should not divide Christians from one another. But uh, the aspect that uh, God hates the sinner um, and not, or he hates the sin, not the sinner. Now, I don't want people to take that phrase. People, many people take that phrase and they'll spin it, and they'll be, and they'll, and they'll make it seem as though like this universalism idea is true, where where God like just loves everyone and He's going to accept everyone, and that's not not necessarily true. He is a righteous God, which means there has to be punishment for those people that are wicked. There has to be punishment for the people that aren't going to give their life to Him. Yeah. And if He is a righteous and just just God, He needs to have that because if He didn't, then He wouldn't be righteous and just. Um, so. Anyways, along, along those lines of, of the aspect of um, different versions of sin, right, uh, I'm not 100% exactly what God's judgment is on that, as specifically what is worse than other things um, necessarily. And I, I think we can have that in-house debate and still you know, love each other and still recognize we're both still, still Christians at one point. But I don't think it's a, it's, an, a, it's a contention point where people should be causing a divide between one another as Christians. For Why do you think that is causing a divide? Well, it's because people are, are not recognizing that um, there is a difference between sin, between different versions of sin, and they're not recognizing that. And so what that what that does is the softness of Christianity that we have today is playing off of that by saying, okay, 
because I understand why these different churches are trying to say, okay, we accept transgenders and we accept these people because they want to welcome them in the church, but, and they're going to welcome the church and they're going to try to change their, their perspectives. They're going to let God work on them as they preach the gospel to them. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not saying we should, we should say, okay, homosexuals aren't allowed to come to our church necessarily, but if you're not preaching the, the truth from the pulpit, then how are those people ever going to be convicted by the truth of the spirit and truth of the word yeah. is the problem, right? Yeah. God is the one that grows people. We are the one that plants seeds and, and waters. We're failing as, as, as a church to plant seeds and water these, these, these people, right? Yeah. We're failing to call out in truth what it is in a loving way still, right? And have yeah. that conversation and be able to agree to disagree necessarily but not try to just completely go after people. Yeah, because I feel like that with people going after, because I, <clears throat> I also feel like inside of a church and stuff, this kind of hurts uh, relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, when, for instance, we have, um, you know, if you attend a small church, the word gets around. You know, mm -hmm. if you attend a small church, judgment falls upon you. You know, and it's hard for you to kind of, it's hard for you to kind of get over some things that you might, might have messed up. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the individual that is going through that? You know, that they're embarrassed of a, a thing they did. You know, they might have like, mm -hmm. they might have gone out of jail. They're recovering alcohol. Alcohol is a recovery. And then they open up and now the church or the other church congregation members kind of show a judgment upon them. And so it's a lot harder for them to get accountability partners. What do you say to those listeners that are dealing with that? I'm trying to understand your question specifically as far as like, what, what are you exactly asking? For instance, an alcoholic. Okay. Okay. An alcoholic just got out, gets out of rehab. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he used to be part of the church and now he's back in the church and he opens up and says, you know what? I want to give praise. Uh, you know, I've overcome alcoholism, alcoholism, mm -hmm. but that automatically sets judgment upon him. And that kind of scares people away from interacting with him. What do you say to the listeners that are listening that might be dealing with that situation, either if it's through pornography or through other kind of those like Dr. Pepper addictions? Or so you're talking about the worrying of what other people think of you? Is that what you're referring to? I believe that also creeps. I believe that also drives the church mm -hmm. in a negative way. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's an issue of what so do you like say to those members. So those members that are coming out of some type of addiction that are coming to the church and then they're being condemned for, for what they're doing. Yeah. And and that they're listening. What do you say? To or they're being listeners? condemned for their past. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think I think that's obviously um, a personal issue. I think uh, I think members of a church, members of a congregation, need to hold themselves accountable and also hold themselves humbly accountable to recognize first and foremost, we're all fallen short of the glory of God. And without Jesus, we have nothing, absolutely nothing. Yep. And so, with a true understanding of that, and also an understanding that we have a faith that is not. We're not saved through works. We're not saved through anything that we do. Now, our faith produces action because it changes our heart. We remove the scale from our eyes and we start seeing the world for where it is. And we start wanting to do the right thing. And that's, that's, that's signs of a real Christian, right? Yeah. And so I would say if, if there's a congregation out there that is looking at this man and says, hey, I'm going to turn away from my ways. Well, why do you listen to Paul then? Paul was an, um, a murderer. You know, he was Saul before that. He would cut the heads off Christians and he would burn their bodies for light at night. And yet God used him, God, our, our Lord and Savior, who is all powerful, almighty, all knowing, and is way, way greater than we are. He looked at a man that was a murderer that would cut the heads off of Christians and burn their bodies at night. And he said, hey, I can use you. 
And so if anyone is looking down upon someone that's coming out of a situation and wants to turn away from their sin and goes and holds them to the accountability of their past. Now, there's a difference between protecting yourself, recognizing, okay, this dude used to be a heroin addict. Heroin is a very strong drug that uses all the dopamine in the brain. It's very hard to get off of, right? And being careful and watching that person and then not trusting them with too much, but still allowing to trust them and learn to trust them again, depending on the past that they come from, right? Or if it's a new person that comes to the church, okay, you have no reason not to trust this person. So give them full, full trust. And, and I mean, you wouldn't trust a brand new person with your, with your newborn baby, right? That you, that you've just met. So like there's, there's lines and there's guidance and that's, guess what, where judgment comes in and we have to make righteous judgments to say, okay, can I trust this guy with this? Can I not trust this guy with this? And we do it every day. We do it all the time throughout the day. Um, So, so in that specific situation, I would say to that one individual that if someone is holding you accountable to your past, while you are also trying to change, then it is not your concern what other people see, like see you as in that light. Yeah. You need to be more worried about what your relationship is with God more than what other people think of you. And we live in a very gossipy culture. and We live in a very, a very um, narcissistic, selfish culture where it's, it's rampant within the churches. So if someone is genuinely trying to change, and I've seen it before over and over again, where someone is genuinely trying to change and the church actually forces that person back into that because they didn't support them. They didn't lift them up. They didn't encourage them. The Bible teaches us that we need to encourage each other, brothers and sisters in Christ consistently. And so we, I, I try to do it daily. I try to at least like think about, okay, have I encouraged somebody today? Yes or no, right? Yeah. Another brother to, to go forward, to step forward, or to continue to f- correct the things that, um, that they want in their life, right? Yeah. But we also have to hold it in humbleness and recognize, okay, they're still flesh. They're still saved by the, by, by the blood of Christ. They're still covered by the blood of Christ. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that they're still sinners. I'm still a sinner. We, we necessarily are. Hopefully we're not actively living in sin, and if we are, we still need to work towards a path to do that. But yeah. understanding that God has, has had so much grace with us, but yet we can't have grace for other people, that doesn't make any sense. Because God looked at you and he knows everything you've done. He knows yes. everything you've done. He's knows everything with the billions and trillions of people that have been on this planet. He has been betrayed by every single person sinning against him over and over again. Yeah. And he still says, I will forgive you if you ask for ask for repentance and forgiveness. And yet we go, hey, this person harmed me one time or two times or ten times or a hundred times, and I still and I can't forgive this person. But yet God forgave us of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of things we've done wrong against Him, even the things that we don't even know is sin yet. Yeah, you know, Paul is quoted for no, for knowing that. Guess what? He ha- had to apologize for things that he didn't even know he committed. Yeah. You know, there's sins that we commit that we are not even not not even aware of because yep. of our lack of knowledge and his great wisdom. Yes. So so with this in mind, we're going to end it with a word of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to allow you to oh, close us up with prayer. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to say thank you, Soslin, for letting me giving me the honor to to be here with you and to answer some of these questions and at least uh tell you what I think at least and oh, what absolutely. I've through, through the, the wisdom that God has bestowed upon me. So yep. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for Sosselin. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for everyone who is listening, Lord. And I just pray that you, you can use the words that we've given and hopefully use them to, to encourage people to continue to pursue you, Lord. And thank you for using a humble sinner like me to, to come on here and, and to hopefully be able to encourage people to continue to follow the faith because it's not easy. It's a narrow path, Lord, to help us to stay on that narrow path and not the wide road that's so easy to walk on, Lord. 
And I just, I just want to encourage people to, to continue to keep their faith in you, even in hard times, Lord, it is so hard to do. It is so hard to, especially in this culture, to be a man. And I'm referring to the U S necessarily in that, in that ideology, but I thank you. I thank you for everything, for the bre- the air that we breathe, of the Lord, the fact that you made trees produce oxygen, produce oxygen and recycle carbon monoxide, which is what we need to live, Lord. That is a great gift that we can recognize every single day. Even when we're having the worst day possible, we can be like, God still made me trees. He made trees for us, Lord. I just, you are so amazing. You are so beyond our understanding, Lord. And and I just pray that if there's anything that me and Sosalyn, and I'm sure there are, need to need to grow in our faith and, and grow in our understanding, Lord, that you continue to work on us and continue to sanctify us and make us better Christians to, uh, today than we were yesterday, Lord. Thank you for all of these things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So with this in mind, I want to say thank you so much, Jared, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, for taking these <laughs> these past three days to talk about very crucial issues that are pressing on our church, uh, not only the church but also the denominations around uh, the world and around America. So join me tomorrow as we're going to have a very special guest, Michael Gardner, joins back us joins us tomorrow again uh, to discuss obstacles in life and what we do during those obstacles. And we're going to go, and we're also going to jump back onto a regular study of habits and improving our habits and setting the visions so we can be focused on on our God and our walk with Him no matter what. With this in mind, remember God loves you, and I'll meet you at the finish line. And have a blessed day. Bye.